You're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast, and anything you've ever wanted to ask in sex ed but didn't and still, as a grown-up, might not know? Well, I asked it in this convo where I got schooled on everything below the belt and in our ovaries. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. I am over the moon excited about today's sponsor. Friend, this is my dream sponsor. The, oh my God, is this real life sponsor? The sponsor I've been dreaming about since I was a little girl winning card-giving holidays with her reliable tearjerkers, ending fights with soul-spilling letters left on people's pillows, and surviving college by avoiding all test-taking classes and taking only essay-writing ones. No, this sponsor is not a pen or a computer or those yellow papermate sharp writer number two mechanical pencils that you turn the tip of, which I've used religiously for two decades. This sponsor is the thing I've been writing up to my whole life. It's my book. My first freaking real life will live in stores if stores ever open up again, but can live on your shelf right this second book. Party in Your Plants, which has been called in an Amazon review as the best plant-based book ever, as well as a cookbook that's way more than a cookbook, and a plant party heaven. Readers have also said that it's the best healthy living guide for your kitchen that you must purchase pronto. And so I'm here to tell you that you can promptly purchase Party in Your Plants, 100 plus plant-based recipes and problem-solving strategies to help you eat healthier without hating your life anywhere books are safely and sanitarily sold. Partyinyourplants.com will take you to all the major retailers or you can just hop your fingers over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, or Walmart to buy yourself and your best friend and their best friend a coffee today. That's partyinyourplants.com to grab a copy or 19 of my book that Amazon readers say you must add to your cookbook stack ASAP because it gets all the thumbs ups. When I first met today's guest, who is the wonderful woman the world calls Nicole Jardim, aka the period girl, years and years ago when we were in a mess hall at an adult sleepaway camp called Soul Camp, my friends were crowding her back when personal space wasn't a danger to ask her their juicy questions about menstruation. And I looked her in the eye with my ring wedged in real deep, and I said to Nicole, I don't need period help. I don't even get mine. Well, I am mega hashtag grateful that I got this do over with her. In this chat, which I, sorry, not sorry, but kind of sorry, used as a personal consultation, Nicole and I covered everything from my messy period moment at my bat mitzvah to my confession that I'm on birth control and that I'm ready to break up with it. I learned 
so much. Seriously, I felt like I was a 12-year-old in sex ed class. Really, how was there so much about my body that I didn't even know? Well, Nicole, whose new book, Fix Your Period, came out around when mine did, breaks down some really need-to-know facts, dismantles the crazy wives' tales and myths, and sets us straight for once and for all that eating our plants helps our hormones. Period. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the Party in My Plants podcast. (laughs) What an introduction. Thank you, Talia. (laughs) I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I party in plants, you party in periods, and we're just going to, you know, party hardy here. (laughs) That's exactly what we're going to do. I know. I think it's hilarious that we both have the word party in our podcast name. (laughs) Paired with interesting life choices. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Well, let's start with that because I mean, for me, my passion for the plant partying stemmed from, you know, finding plants, discovering they help with my energy and now preaching them to improve others' energies. I take it you had some experience with periods that fuels your passion for them and gave you the label, the period girl. (laughs) Oh, girl. you Yes, we go way back. <laughs> Me and my period. And yes, I really struggled as a teenager. I was a hot mess when it came to my menstrual cycle. And I remember, you know, for years just having the worst pain that, you know, the kind that makes you see stars and mm-hmm. the, you know, the heavy periods that definitely leak through your school uniform that basically <laughs> make you want to leave the planet. It's just like the worst. That happened and- at my bat mitzvah. No, it did. Yeah. Thankfully, just through the tights, it didn't go on the dress. But I just remember, I mean, talk about becoming a woman, right? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I cannot even. Yeah, seriously. What excellent timing. I mean, it's heart stopping, especially when you're in an event like that. Yeah, (laughs) I've never told anyone that before. There you go. Oh my gosh. And you've just announced it to your whole audience. audience. I tend to bring these things out in people. So yeah, I, you know, it was, like I said, it was not fun. And I remember at some point along the way, my period stopped coming regularly. And that was my mom's cue to send me to her gynecologist. And Mm. she just put me straight on the pill because irregular periods that are heavy and painful, this is what you do. Mm. And I was on the pill for five years and it really caused all kinds of problems for me. I felt like I went from the poster child of period problems to being the poster child of pill problems Mm. and or pill side effects. And I finally came off of it. I saw an acupuncturist after seeing many, many doctors who really couldn't help me. And that was the turning point for me. I finally started to change my diet, my lifestyle, all of it clicked and made sense. And then, you know, like you, you found plants. I definitely found plants too. <laughs> they, they helped a lot. And that was, you know, for me, a turning point in that I actually left the career that I was in and studied to be a health coach and did significant more training on women's health and functional nutrition and medicine and things like that so that I could really understand this stuff because I knew that if I could just help one woman not go through what I had been through, I was like, okay, I'll be successful. I will be happy. And here we are. Here we are. And yes. when you say like help someone not go through what I went through, what was the hardest part of it? Was it being on the pill? I mean, you did say, I've, I've read that you say that going off the pill is the best decision you ever made in your life. So was mm-hmm. the pill that bad for you? <laughs> well, it was for me. And mm-hmm. the reason I say that is because Like I said, I was put on it. I was about 19. And 
at the time I had those heavy, painful periods that were super irregular. Mm. And all of that, I will say, I will say, this is a caveat. I was actually so pumped to be on the pill. All my friends were on it. I was like, finally, I'm part of this cool kids crew. (laughs) And, you know, I was finally going to have a period that didn't hurt, that came every single month, every 28 days, that was not heavy. And that's really what the pill gave me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like, maybe, I don't know, maybe a year into it, I started to notice problems. Like I started getting yeast infections. I'd never had those before. I started Um. getting UTIs, also something I'd never had. My hair started falling out. I had melasma all over my face. I remember a doctor telling me, well, that only happens to pregnant women. I'm not sure what's going on with you. Whoa. Wait, what's melasma? So melasma is like these brown patches on your face. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes they show up during pregnancy. Okay. So it was just like one thing after the next. I had horrible gut health issues. You know, so I saw like every single doctor as you do, right? You see. It's literally um, what I did. (laughs) Yes. Right. Oh, I can't wait to hear your story. I know. (laughs) Like as you do. Yes, I did. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's just crazy. And it sucks because you just can't get answers and you feel so frustrated. And so, like I said, the pill was great in the beginning and then it was not great. And as a result, and I'll explain why, you know, the pill does that. Yeah. I was just writing that down, please. Okay, good. All right. Well, I'll get right into that. So the pill is so interesting because, of course, it came onto the market in the early 60s and it was completely life-changing. Of course, for women, we could plan our fertility. We could decide when we were going to have kids, if we were going to have kids at all, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how much we were going to space out our kids, all of that stuff that was never available to us before for the most part. And, you know, so I feel like it was revolutionary. But the problem is, is that it became something that was used not only for fertility, and birth control, but to address a whole host of other period-related problems. So as it stands now, when there is any kind of menstrual cycle problem, whether that is an irregular cycle, polycystic ovary syndrome, a heavy period, a painful period, whatever, you are put on the pill. That's like the first line of defense. We're never looking at what is actually happening. And the thing with the pill or the patch or the Nuva ring, any of these hormonal forms of birth control, their mechanism is to stop ovulation. When you stop ovulation, you are unable to get pregnant. And when you stop ovulation, you run into a whole lot of problems because traditionally women have been told or given the message that that ovulation is really only for fertility. It's only for having a baby. But when you ovulate, you make estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, multiple other hormones play a role in ovulation and they all fluctuate throughout the month. And if you don't make these hormones because you're not ovulating, you're just replacing the hormones with synthetic versions that come in the pill or, you know, come in the patch or whatever, mm-hmm. then you're you're not getting the benefits of those endogenous or, you know, your actual hormones. And estrogen supports our bone health. It supports our heart health, our moods, so definitely connected with serotonin production. I, you know, when we think about progesterone, same thing, cognitive function, brain health definitely supports our mood as well. Um, it plays a role in our breast health. It's like incredible to me. You know, when you think about testosterone, muscles, our mood as well, our sex drive, you know, our lubrication, it's like these are all far reaching effects. And yet we are never really told about this. So when we don't ovulate, like we lose out on all of these amazing benefits. And over time, like me, you develop all of these seemingly unrelated symptoms. 
So it's, wow. you know, it's a real problem. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Right? That's great. I mean, I just, that's all I have to say is, wow. I mean, it seems very odd that with this knowledge out in the world, that ovulation is so important for all of these other, a million things you just listed. I'm sure that was just the, the skimming of the surface, that if we stop this one process and all this stuff can happen, that this is not taken more into account before putting everyone on the pill. At such young ages. I actually yeah. have a client in my group program right now who was put on the pill at 11 because she had immediately, you know, as she got her period, she had really debilitating pain. And when it, when a child has debilitating period pain, you 100% have to look into that. And that is just mm. really not what is happening. And, you know, I think so much of this is comes back to gender bias in medicine. Most of us don't realize that women weren't required to be in scientific studies, even for medications or drugs that were for women. They were not required to be in these studies up until 1993, I believe, early 90s. Wow. And it wasn't required for the researchers conducting those studies to show the results, the differences in results between men and women until like, I think, 2014, somewhere around there. So mid 2000s. like five yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> Li literally five <laughs> minutes ago. I know. Exactly. Wow. I mean, that's crazy. And yeah. so as a result. I feel like women are generally taken out of the equation of their healthcare and they're just not, they're not taken seriously in many cases. And this is why something like endometriosis, for instance, mm -hmm. would take so long to be diagnosed. On average, we're looking at 10 to 12 years because, you know, women will complain of period pain that's debilitating for years on end in many cases. And they're just usually given a painkiller and sent on their way. Yeah. Or they have other like Jess Mernan. I'm sure you are you familiar with Jess Mernan who had really bad digestive issues as a result of it. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff, right? All sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Very for, much tied to issues. Yeah. endometriosis and, and gut health. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. You said before going on the pill that one should actually try to find what's actually happening. How do you do that? You know, like, so we're just going to get into this for me because I want to steal your time and get all the help <laughs> I can. So just let's just jump back to what was it at Soul Camp 2000 and I don't Ooh, know, 15? we, yeah, we connected at Soul Camp like a million years ago. And I just remember so much you were leading stuff on probably period stuff, right? Were you teaching a class? Yes. Okay. And everyone, yeah. I was a counselor in Spunky Bunky. That was the name of our bunk. And I had all my <laughs> campers and they were obsessed with you. And really? uh, we were, oh, yes. So nice. Oh my God, obsessed. And um, mm -hmm. we were in the dining hall and I think some of them were sitting with you. And I walked by and they were like, oh, this is Nicole. Like she's the period lady. And I was like, I don't need your help. I'm on birth control. I don't get my period. And I just like walked away. I mean, obviously I wasn't rude about it, but like I've just kind of taken myself out of the equation of this because I have been on birth control for over 10 years. And whenever I admit that to anyone in the wellness world, it's literally like me saying I smoke a pack a day secretly. <laughs> Blasphemous, it's, isn't it? I feel I know. horrible and guilty and yucky. And oh. And then I got over the guilt, whatever. We all have our vices. Maneuvering is my vice. Yep. But um, now, honestly, I'm ready to go off of it. 
Oh my gosh. I'm ready. This is happening. And I literally told my husband the other day, I'm like, I have an interview with Nicole. I'm just going to get all the answers of how to do it on on the podcast. (laughs) So that said, I've just been feeling horrible from it now. I think I'm breaking out all of a sudden. I've been spotting, you know, libido Uh is low, just telling the world. And um, I think I'm ready. So I'm sure there's other Mm -hmm. people that are ready as well. What do I and others do? Oh, man. Okay. Well, this is a loaded question, but I will definitely dig into this because I freaking love it. I love that you're doing this. I'm so proud of you. I feel like I really, you know, I, I'm definitely, I'm not one of these people who's like vehemently against the birth control pill. I understand that this is what we've got. And this requires a bit of a paradigm shift in our society to move away from this belief that, you know, ovulation isn't necessary and we can just turn this thing off and turn yeah. it back on whenever we want. And so I recognize that. So I understand that, you know, this is a security blanket. It was for me. I was absolutely terrified to go off the pill at 25, 24, 24, somewhere around there. I was just terrified. Like you, I, you know, I, well, I was using it for birth control, but I was also using it to, as my crutch (laughs) for all of those period problems that I did not want to come back. Yeah. That's what I've been using it as. I had, you know, debilitating periods and really, really, really bad depression around my period. Like bedridden, Ah, suicidal thoughts, like really bad. And so that's my greatest fear is, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole experience that comes with. That's why I've been so scared to go off of it. Which makes complete sense. And, you know, it's like close to 60% of women are on hormonal birth control for reasons other than birth control. Yeah. So this is not, you are certainly not alone. I was in the same boat too. And I, I think that this is it's a bit of an epidemic, right? Yeah. We have, you know, moved so far away from root cause medicine and figuring out the reasons why our bodies are responding the way they are. And instead we're just shutting our bodies up by slapping a pill or a Nuva ring or a patch onto mm-hmm. them and sending women on their way. And, you know, that's my biggest beef with medicine in general is that we're just not exploring things more. We're not listening and really paying attention because there are underlying causes and we've got to figure those out. But I, I recognize too, that going off the pill is, is definitely momentous. It's a big deal. So I would say, you know, I always, first of all, before anything, I, I recommend everyone consult with their doctor. You've got to, you talk to a medical professional before doing this, but the pill is, is one of those or, you know, really any form of these hormonal birth control options, like the NuvaRing for you, for instance, mm-hmm. you can go off of them at any time. Mm. It's not a medication that, you know, you need to slowly wean off of or anything like that. So, you know, that's the first thing. And I think the, one of the most important components of all of this, and I know, you know, this is that you're taking care of your health now, because when I went on the pill, I was yeah. not taking care of my health. No, that's legit. Yeah. It's a huge difference. I was in high school when I went on this or college. I didn't know what a plant was. No, me neither. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. I ate an obscene amount of pizza and bread. It was out of control. So yes, I agree. I didn't either. I was like the first time I went to Whole Foods and bought leafy greens was, it was like an alternate universe that I had stepped into. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that was right when I was coming off the pill. So that's what I always ask women to do to really think about how to scaffold their health with, you know, with nutrition, with a few supplements, really, you know, thinking about what's going on with their gut, how their gut's feeling, supporting their liver, 
um, really thinking about what's going on with the stress in their lives and working on mitigating that, whether it's through meditation or prayer or exercise, whatever it is, because all of these components, of course, lead to to more resilience when it comes to getting off of hormonal birth control. Mm. So that's what I say too. Some women are just so terrified because they had debilitating periods, for instance, or like you, they had significant emotional symptoms mm. that caused them to just be completely disrupted yeah. and, or their lives to be disrupted. So I would say that, you know, you guys get Talia's book. <laughs> Should I get my book? Right? Yeah. I'm totally going to plug your book because it's so necessary. And also you can get mine too because I really walk you through a protocol. Like I feel as though even if we did 30 days of eating better, it's going to help you feel so much better when you come off the pill. And so I think for you, maybe I'll just cruise off it. You can cruise off of it and see what happens. And, you know, just know that you know, if there are, you know, there's terrible, terrible symptoms come back, like know that you have the tools to address it. I think that that's what we are so afraid of is that Mm. for so long, we've been taught to fear our bodies, fear our fertility, can't get pregnant at any cost, you know, it's like, or avoid pregnancy at every cost. You know, there are multiple ways that we have been sort of conditioned to be afraid of how our bodies function. And so it's really about reimagining your relationship with your body and almost re-envisioning your period story, because that's what this comes down to is like, how do we become acquainted with our bodies again? Right. I mean, you say that your body, our bodies aren't as complicated as we've been led to believe. And I definitely feel that my body, especially as it pertains to hormones in my period, is very complicated. (laughs) But you you claim it's it's not. So yeah. like how how does it become a little bit more simple? Okay, I will tell you. <laughs> it's actually Good. amazingly simple. So I want everyone to just envision, you know, a menstrual cycle. And what <laughs> happens every single month, you know, you get your period. That's day one of your menstrual cycle. First day of bleeding, day one. And your period should technically last somewhere between three and seven days. And then what's happening in your ovary, one ovary usually, is that it is getting a follicle ready to release an egg, and that's ovulation. Once ovulation happens, then that egg travels down the fallopian tube, and hopefully, you know, your body's hoping, it will meet a sperm cell and will fertilize, and then it will implant in your uterus, and then you'll have a baby. So that's our body's goal every single month. Literally very simple. The thing is, is that we are only fertile for 12 to sort of 48 hours a month. And the reason for that is because that ovulatory process, which is a really big deal, it's very energy intensive, actually only takes a very short period of time. So it's really only like 12 to 24 hours. The thing is, is that the ovary could release another egg. And if they were to be fertilized, that would result in fraternal twins. So the point is, is that- I didn't know any of this right now. Wait, I didn't know we were only fertile for 12 to 48 hours. Yes. Exactly. Mostly only 12 to 24 hours. So if somebody gets pregnant unplanned, mm-hmm. they just so happen to have hit in those 12 to 48 hours? Sort of. It's slightly more. It's. I'm going to complicate things just a little bit. But okay. yeah, technically that's true. 
The thing is, is that sperm can live in our bodies up to five days, especially oh. if there's that fertile quality cervical fluid that you will start to notice when you come off birth control um, that shows up in the lead up to ovulation. So there's this stretchy, wet type quality cervical fluid, and we call it fertile quality cervical fluid because it actually contains channels. If you were to look at it under a microscope, these channels help sperm swim up through the vaginal canal into the uterus and into the fallopian tubes. And so, which is really amazing. And so basically what <laughs> I happened, love how excited you are right now. This is I know, it's so amazing. funny. Cause I'm just like, this is information we all need to know. And we don't, and you're just like, what is happening right now? I did not know this. <laughs> I, I don't know anything that you're saying, and I feel like a 12-year-old in sex ed right now, except we didn't learn anything this like this This is why we're so ed. terrified of our bodies. So like I said, your sperm can, or not your sperm, but sperm mm. can live in a body, in a female body up to five <laughs> days. So that makes your fertile window oh. around six to seven days long. Got it. But what's amazing though, is when that 12 to 24-hour window is up, you know, and you observe, I'll tell you more of this in a second, but basically what happens is you're, you become no longer fertile. Mm -hmm. You're not able to ovulate twice in a cycle aside from within that window where you could release another, you know, your ovary could release another egg and, um, and you could get, you know, fraternal twins. But other than that, really what would happen is you can have sex unprotected for the rest of your cycle. You would not get pregnant. I, I'm, I'm mind blown. I'm literally mind blown. I feel so silly because when I was telling my husband, I'm like, I'm going to go off birth control. We had like a big discussion. He's like, well, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I think it's like not as easy to get pregnant as, as we're taught, but I don't really know. I'm going to ask Nicole. But so all the times where everyone is like, don't ever have unprotected sex. They're really just like fear-mongering because it's really Pretty only much. a thing for yes, just a few actually. days. And yeah, I know. Oh my God. Oh, you're so I'm like <laughs> blushing right now. This is so you funny. So <laughs> I'm sorry for everybody listening know, who's like, are you one. Are you kidding me? You know how many times I've had this conversation <laughs> and this exact reaction? Women are like, why did nobody tell me? <laughs> I've had women who are in their 40s who've had like three children who are blown away by the fact that they're fertile for like up to 48 hours a month. <laughs> it's just like, so funny to me. Yeah. Oh it's crazy. my God. Okay. So thank that's, you. I mean, and that's a generous, I mean, wow. really it's mostly up to 24 hours and even that is kind of pushing it too. So it is really incredible how wow. very, you know, the fact that the onus of birth control has traditionally been put on women and men are fertile every day of their lives and we are not. So you got to think about that mm. and question it and be like, hmm, that's wow. interesting. I wonder how that worked out. Because last year, I believe, or the year before, they were doing a study. So they finally got to the point where they had developed a male birth control pill and they were doing a study and the male participants complained of moodiness, depression, and I think like low energy <sighs> or low sex drive or something like that. And they stopped the Whoa. study. And women have been dealing with this and so much more for many, many decades without any solutions. And we're not the ones who are fertile every single day. A man can impregnate a woman every single day of his life until he's like, until he dies, basically. So it is really, it's something to behold. Wow. Wow. 
While we're on the topic of making healthy eating a whole lot less hellish, although that's what we're always on the topic of here on the Party My Plants podcast, one of my favorite essential non-healthy healthy staples, as you probably know by now, is Amazing Grass Greens Powder. And I am so excited that Amazing Grass is sponsoring this podcast episode. I truly, honestly, wholeheartedly adore Amazing Grass's amazing grasses, which I'm sure you're well aware of if you follow me on Instagram. Their green superfood powders are an insanely tasty blend of nutritious greens, phytonutrient-packed fruits, veggies, grasses, digestive enzymes, and probiotics that I can't and I don't want to live without. And it just so happens that one of the kitchen tools I'm going to outline in today's episode is the vehicle through which I enjoy amazing grass. Amazing. To make Amazing Grass even more amazing, they're offering Party in My Plants podcast listeners 40% off. Yes, 40%, not just some measly 10%, 40% off. That's almost half off your Amazing Grass order. If you go to their website, amazinggrass.com, and use coupon code PLANTPARTY40 at checkout. That's PLANTPARTY40 at checkout on amazinggrass.com. Okay. Well, I feel like an important part of this discussion is like preventing mm-hmm. the need for the pill in the first place. Like, cause if you're not needing it or relying on it or choosing it for the actual birth control, which was never my motive. It was my thing was, Oh my God, I just feel so wrecked yep. around my period. I need a solution. And that's why I went on it. It seems as if it would have been wiser to have found you a million years ago and you could have helped me identify why I was getting wrecked around my period. So how do you even begin to help somebody identify why they're getting wrecked by their period? I think that, you know, the first thing, and this builds on what we, you had just asked me before and what I went off on a whole tangent about with fertility and stuff, but is that we have to understand our unique cycles. And so I really think that it's so important for us to track our cycles. And you would do this when you come off of hormonal birth control, because the birth control, again, is not, is, is preventing ovulation and all of those hormonal fluctuations. So you won't see changes. I mean, you will likely see symptoms because you said you're having spotting and some other issues happening. Mm. So that's important to pay attention to. And it makes sense to come off the pill when you're having these kinds of symptoms. But what it comes back to is cycle tracking. So you're tracking your period, you're tracking what's happening with your period, how long it's lasting, you know, how many times you're changing pads or tampons, you're noticing the color of your blood, you're noticing uh, how long your menstrual cycle is as a whole. Ideally, you want a, a cycle between 25 and 35 days long, a period that lasts between three and seven days, um, period blood that's on the redder side, not not too dark brown or black and not too light pink. So somewhere in between. And, you know, you really want to pay attention to the symptoms you're experiencing. If you're having pain, is this pain disrupting your life? Are you experiencing mood symptoms in the lead up to your period? Because those, of course, are huge, as you well know, Mm. and they're indicative of underlying issues with your gut, 
with how your liver is working, with general inflammation in your body, nutrient deficiencies, how your body is just responding to stress in general. And so all of these, like within in the book, I really walked everyone through this because like I said, I really think women need to know this information so that they can be advocates for their health and make educated decisions about their health. And so cycle tracking, that's like the basic cycle tracking. And then there's a birth control method known as the fertility awareness method. And so this is, it's a little bit more advanced, but I walk everyone through it. And I really think that this is something that we should all be doing, at least the cycle tracking part of it. And this is tracking your basal body temperature and your cervical fluid patterns. I mentioned cervical fluid a little while ago. Mm -hmm. And the reason for this is because your temperature in the first half of your cycle is low. And then it goes up after you ovulate because progesterone the hormone that's released after ovulation is a heat inducing hormone. Hmm. So that's one surefire way to know you've ovulated. Oh, they say when dogs are in heat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Although I'm not sure it's the same thing. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. I mean, it, make, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it too. We'll roll with that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's your favorite um, tracker? like app or is there any, like if I, what's the best way to track? Yeah. So there's a few, I use an app called Kindara. And the reason I I really like them is because they have a great temperature tracking chart. Oh, based on what you were just really helpful. Uh Yeah. Based on what I was saying, but for period tracking, generally I found that clue is really great. There's one called flow F L O. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's also another one that was created by a friend of mine called groove. That's really great too. So those are a few. I mean, there are a bazillion of them out there. And, you know, I think that, you know, you can choose based on, you know, whatever feels like the best interface for you, whatnot. But it's really great to be tracking your symptoms, also tracking your bowel movements. Those change with your cycle as well. Mm. And so anything that you feel is like disruptive or doesn't feel normal, definitely put it into your app and you'll definitely start to notice patterns of what's happening when, especially with like what you described with the really severe mood Mm -hmm. changes in that lead up to your period. Tracking these symptoms is one of the ways that doctors diagnose premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD. And that to me is, you know, I think something that's important to, to be paying attention to, especially if they're so severe that you know, like you said, you were experiencing what you felt were like suicidal thoughts. More just like, just to not scare everyone. It was more just like, why do I matter? Why does life matter? Like I should just lie in bed forever and never come out type of thing. Mm-hmm. Just and like it's, depression. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. And th- so many women go through this and they, you know, again, we've been told that these are all normal parts of being a woman, having a menstrual cycle, being a teenager, getting older, there's always a reason and there's never a solution. Ooh. And so I'm a big advocate of us like learning our cycles, becoming our own period experts so that we can we can participate in our healthcare. Amazing. Okay, so track and just really it sounds like just like keep a journal or, you know, use one of these apps to just like see everything that's going on because apparently, unbeknownst to me, our cycle affects everything. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? This is fun. What's even more amazing too is that we are going to notice this when you, your hormones start cycling again, that when in that first half of your cycle in the lead up to ovulation 
estrogen, testosterone are rising. And with the rise of those two, your libido improves, your mood changes, you're definitely more articulate, you're able to, I feel like public speaking, interviews, all of those are great things to do around this time because you're able to really formulate, um, you know, like sentences, all of it. Like, whereas in the second half of your cycle, things really shift quite dramatically. Progesterone is sort of a, a keep you close to home hormone. You don't Aww. like a lot of stimulation. You tend towards, uh, you know, trying to avoid people versus being out and about with people in that first half of your cycle when estrogen is high. So progesterone really makes you um, feel a little bit more introverted. You don't want as much stimulation, like I said, and it's definitely harder to articulate yourself. <laughs> This is so fascinating. I bet once I start paying attention to it, I'll notice because I you just described how I am at two different times in my life. I don't know how it relates to like my cycle or lack thereof or whatever's happening with hormones. But like, yeah, there are some times where I'm like, I want to just curl into a shell and not talk to anyone. And then there's times where I'm like, let's party. And mm-hmm. I wonder how closely they're going to be tied. This is a fun yeah. little experiment such a fun experiment. It's amazing because you're basically reinventing your relationship with your body. And that is so cool because we all, for the most part, a lot of us have really traumatic first period or teenage period stories. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we were put on the pill or whatever Mm -hmm. birth control and, um, and that all got turned off. And now it's like getting reacquainted with your body and your cycle. And I'm like 31 years old. So this is kind of a late time to be meeting my body. I feel like I need to read. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret again. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. That was such a good book. I should pull that out. I don't have it. I should order it on Amazon and just reread it. (laughs) I know. I actually would love to reread that one too. It's it's such a classic. So good. Okay. So (laughs) I'm really excited about how plants fit into this. Mm -hmm. How, okay. Okay, so how do plants fit into this? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, you know, they play a huge role. And again, we all know this, that our standard American diet is lacking on all levels. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I think really, and this is my own theory, that, you know, from childhood at this point, I think more recent generations, we are definitely, <laughs> I'm going to say unequivocally, not getting our nutrition needs met. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. I feel like, you know, period problems, menstrual cycle related issues, hormonal problems are becoming worse. And I really do Mm -hmm. think it's because from younger and younger ages, we are just not getting the nutrition that we need. I don't think there are any studies to prove that, but that's just my theory. I mean, literally our shitty diet is affecting everybody in every way. So that's how I feel. yeah. Yeah. And if you tell me right now that our stress impacts, you know, our, I mean, I know it (laughs) impacts our hormones. So, you know, take into account our shittier diets by the day and our stressier (laughs) lives by the day. It sounds like a recipe for disaster for any process in our body. Absolutely. Period disaster for sure. And yes, I completely agree with that. And I feel like the combination of the two are a big problem. So Mm -hmm. where, you know, what I start with usually is when I, when I work with women and what I wrote in the book is that we have to start to bring more nutrients into our diets because 
right now, what is happening for most people is that we are eating foods that do not agree with our metabolism. And as a result, they're causing massive blood sugar spikes and crashes. And that's causing our pancreas to release insulin, which is a really powerful hormone. Insulin is kind of a boss lady hormone, and it will definitely cause problems for your ovaries and your reproductive hormones, like the estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. And so as a result, ongoing blood sugar spikes and crashes and these insulin highs and lows will trigger major menstrual cycle problems. So if we, you know, we have to get that under control, but the first step really is to bring more plants into your diet. And I just ask women, you know, as a very, like as a baseline, can you get like half a cup of, you know, different vegetables? So three different vegetables, so half a cup of three different types of vegetables in each meal. So literally like, you know, I call it, you know, a half a cup is a serving. It's like nothing. Um, but just like three servings of vegetables in each meal that you eat. So that way you're getting like a cup and a half of veggies, even if it's just like kale, whatever, then you're going to be bringing those nutrients into your diet that are going to support your ovarian function. Your ovaries need magnesium. They need zinc. They need selenium. They need iron. So we, and, and we're not getting a lot of these micronutrients in particular in our diets as they stand. So this is like, to me, the foundations of hormones and periods 101. How can we bring more of those nutrient dense foods into our diets? And, and that's usually where we start. And you're not just saying that because you're on the Party My Plants podcast. Nope. Wow. I say it all the time. Ad nauseum. <laughs> I'm so bored of myself saying it, to be honest. But it's just kind of the truth. And it's really what I think works the most because a lot of us do have control over what it is that mm -hmm. we're eating. And it does feel like the easiest switch to make for a lot of people. And so when you start to bring those, those foods into your diet, I always say, you know, like start with the leafy greens, easiest place to begin and work your way up from there that is going to be game changing. It's amazing. Like I've had many clients over the years, just like, you know, incorporate a few cups of leafy greens into their diet in a day, their periods have regulated, their period pain is reduced, oh my God. you know, things like that. Yes. Wow. I know. So it is, you know, we don't need, and you know, this, like we don't need a humongous amount of change to start to feel better. We actually need small incremental changes and it's, incredible what miracles can happen. Wow. This is so empowering. I mean, really, I think everybody listening parties pretty hardy in their plants, myself included. So <laughs> maybe like, maybe I'll just glide right off birth control. But you know, because like I said before, I had no idea what kale was. I don't think anyone right? knew it. It definitely didn't have no. its, its publicist by the time I started. <laughs> you know, It was the garnish at yeah, Friendly. Yes, or like yeah. at the buffet, the like um, thing in between <laughs> the dishes or whatever. Right? It was 100%. <laughs> that's where the kale lived. Yeah. No doubt. Oh my God. So yeah. are there specific plants that can help with, you know, period bloating and pain and that discomfort? Yes, absolutely. And so I would say that, like I was saying before, I really think that the leafy green vegetables are a great place to start. And the reason for that is because they've got a lot of those micronutrients that we really need. And so when you think about whatever, you know, like arugula and collards and kale and romaine lettuce, spinach, Swiss chard, all of that. They contain magnesium and calcium and iron and potassium, as well as vitamins like vitamin A, B6, uh, folate, 
um, which is B9, vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin K. And all of these play a role in what happens with your cycle. Like calcium, for instance, actually can reduce PMS symptoms. Magnesium can reduce bloating and breast tenderness. It also helps to support the ovaries in producing progesterone. It helps with anxiety related to PMS. Iron contributes to healthy egg production and to having stable energy. So you're not like dying, you know, when you get your period and feeling so exhausted. It also helps with having healthy menstrual blood flow. So like I could go on and on. But the point is, is that these foods contain really specific nutrients that are going to directly impact your cycle as a whole. And usually how they do that is they support your ovarian function. And your ovaries, of course, are really important because they are the directors of your entire menstrual cycle and all of the hormones that are produced because of it. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, what doesn't make sense, though, is that weren't you like in the entertainment industry before this? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I actually was. I was in film production. And I was the most unlikely period girl. I mean, this is not something that I dreamed of doing by any means. And I really fell into it. But I, yeah, my dream since I was 14 was to work in film production. That was the goal. And I did a lot of it. I worked on commercials with huge stars. I I worked for the MTV Video Music Awards for years. I did all kinds of fun stuff. But it was that (laughs) career that completely ruined me because I had gotten off the pill. I saw this acupuncturist. He was completely changing my life. I was in college at the time. And then I got out of college. I was like, okay, I'm so much better now. And then all the habits started to slip because I was working 16 hour days and eating from the craft services table, which Mm -hmm. as we all know is crap. And I really was in a bad way. And I remember getting to the point where I had my period. It's like day one, I was at Universal Studios working on this production big Faith Hill Monday night football commercial thing. Yeah, it was so fun, except that I was throwing up because of my period pain and literally so exhausted, shaking, (gasps) curled up under my desk, (laughs) trying to avoid everybody. And you, you can't really run away from when you're shooting a commercial. It's just like you're there and you have to be there and on. And that was really the turning point for me. And I realized like I have to figure out a way to get out of this career because it's going to put me right back to where I was, you know, six, seven years ago as a teenager. And so that was, that was it. I completely changed my life, changed my career. I moved to New York. I left Florida. You know, it was just like, I completely uprooted my life. Sometimes you have to do that. Uh, wow. Your story is my story and I can't wait to, sh- everyone <laughs> knows my story. So we'll share it on your podcast and they can hear it yes. on your podcast, but wow. So was that because, so you were ill Then you went off the birth control, helped the acupuncturist, cleaned up your diet, I assume. And then was it just that, you know, the stress of being in the film industry and doing the commercial, was it more the stress or the plants, lack thereof? Like, what was it? Both? The whole thing? You know, I think it's just the whole foundational thing, right? Like, it's like what I've said for years in my programs and, and now I've said in my book. It's like the foundation is your food and then your blood sugar. And then you've got to look at your gut, your liver, your stress and your sleep and your thyroid. And so all of these components play an integral role in what's going to happen with your period 
whether you have it or not, and whether you have symptoms or not. And for me, it was 100%, you know, the lack of nutrients, again, like just eating crappy food, Mm -hmm. my blood sugar was completely all over the place. What we don't realize is when blood sugar goes up and down and up and down, insulin is being released, insulin actually changes what your ovaries do. It makes your ovaries make more testosterone and less estrogen. So it totally disrupts your menstrual cycle. And you might not release an egg. So that means you might not ovulate, which then means you don't make progesterone. And that's, you know, that's sort of the basis, very basic uh, way that polycystic ovary syndrome works is that, you know, you don't ovulate, you lose uh, cycles, you don't have periods and, uh, you know, for months at a time. And then you have all these other symptoms. You start developing acne. Uh, you might lose your hair because testosterone is higher. So these androgens or male sex hormones get higher. So you start to have this male pattern baldness. Women start to grow hair on their faces or other parts of their body. It's like, it's a whole thing. And it all comes back in many cases to blood sugar and inflammation. And so when we start to get those two things under control, the nutrition and our blood sugar, I mean, miracles can happen literally. And that's, (laughs) and that was definitely what happened to me. I, for sure, it was my blood sugar, it was inflammation, and then stress, because stress hijacks your brain. Think of your hypothalamus and your pituitary, these two glands in your brain that are directing all the other endocrine glands in your body. And so when stress takes over, what happens is your brain stops sending the signals to your ovaries you know, to get an egg ready for ovulation. And so what will happen is ovulation can become delayed, or it might not happen at all. And again, this, of course, will disrupt your cycle. For some of us, we just bleed for weeks on end because we didn't ovulate and the whole system got messed up. And for others of us, we lose a period to stress. So it really just depends, you know, kind of on your genetics. But ultimately, all of these factors play a role. And usually we notice it when we start having period problems, because as we all know, stress and blood sugar problems are pretty much ubiquitous in our society. (laughs) Yes. We just all have them and it's no big deal. Oy. Okay. Well, yep. admittedly, I'm feeling a little freaked out right now. Reel it back oh in. Gosh. Make me yes. make me feel like, don't worry, you got this. Like, because it just sounds like so many things can go wrong. Or are you saying on the flip side, so many things can go right if you, <laughs> you know, take care of your stress and eat your plants. Honestly, that's it, Talia. Okay. Okay. Like okay. I should say, yes, all of these things can go wrong. There's no doubt about that, but it's likely they're already going wrong because you live in 2020 and <laughs> we're all stressed and we're all probably not eating the greatest, although your your audience clearly knows what's up and so do you. <laughs> but the point is is that Yes, all of these things can go wrong, but it's so easy to make them go right. Our bodies just need a few things. They need to feel nourished. They need to feel like they're fed and they have enough calories and nutrients and they need to feel safe. And Mm. so if we are managing our diets and our stress, lifestyle stuff, sleep, things are going to go significantly better than they ever went before. Perfect. Well, I mean, your passion for this is (laughs) mind blowing. It is. I'm just sitting here smiling, like just somebody that just found their calling about periods and is so educated. And you're just so lit up right now about this. And it's (laughs) amazing. And about your book, I feel like you just wrote like your book. You know, like I know you had a first book, The Happy Balance, which was a recipe book with like 80 what hormone balancing recipes. 
Yeah, I just contributed a chapter to that though. So yes, no, this this is the real book. This is like your (laughs) book. I can just like, because I just wrote like my book based on my story that's weirdly similar to yours. Like talk to me about Fix Your Period. Like who's it for? What do you feel about it? Like just anything you want to get off. But I just, I can tell you so much passion and excitement about it. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I know I'm like smiling my face off. It's hilarious over here. Yeah. Thank you. Truly. I do feel like I found my calling and this has been an unbelievable labor of love, as you all know, because we're pandemic book twins. Yes, So it's, it's a thing. (laughs) And I wrote this book for my 21 year old self, as much as I wrote it for all the women in the world to understand how the hell their bodies work so that they can feel like they're involved in decisions that are being made about their bodies. And that for me is like one of the most important things to get across to women. And that's, you know, I have like nearly 500 studies in my book and I, you know, it's 400 pages of menstruation education. So I feel like (laughs) menstruation (laughs) education. (laughs) Totally. So yes, that's, that's basically just of it. And again, like I said before, I think that when you have this information, it is like you, you noticed too on this interview that you are so empowered and you feel like you can kind of take on the world, which is what we need more of. I can take on the world and take on my period. (laughs) That too, honey. (laughs) So how does somebody know if their period does need to be fixed? I mean, like, like for me, I mean, literally I walked by, I had access to you. I could have hung with you, ate snacks with you, went in the lake with you, but I just was like, I don't need to know about my period. I'm too cool for school. <laughs> and now here I am like never going to hang up this Skype call. Um, oh how does someone know if they should or might want to work on their period? Great question. I think that the bottom line is that your period should not disrupt your life in any way at all. And if it does, seriously, I know. Wait, wait, sorry. I'm interrupting. You're what? I know. What? Is that, that's actually possible? Yeah, really. So your period is just like, whatevs? Yeah. Serious. I know. I mean, again, like I will reiterate that when you're, you know, when you're in that second half of your cycle and you're winding down and you're coming into your period time, this is definitely a time where your body is asking you for rest. It's Mm. asking for you to slow down. We don't really take those cues so great, but I want all of you to learn it because that is our time. We are not men. We do not have testosterone and cortisol that just rise in the morning and go down at night. We have a monthly cycle where, you know, we have energy at some points in our cycle and then we have lower energy at others. And it is our job, I think, to honor that cyclical nature of our bodies. And so when in that late stage luteal phase, you're getting to your period, try to wind things down a little bit. Think about ways to take care of yourself. And like I was saying before, avoid any overstimulation. And so with that, when you're able to do that, your symptoms subside significantly. So it's amazing, but that makes so much sense, right? I mean, it shouldn't disrupt your life in any way, aside from you needing to slow down for it, which I think we all should do. Ah. I have women telling me they're doing CrossFit on day two of their cycle. I'm like, girl, you don't need to do that. You actually can do CrossFit at other times when your body is much more receptive to CrossFit. But I don't recommend that because I just don't feel like unless you're training for, you know, like 
a soccer match that, you know, the World <laughs> Cup, which, you know, interestingly, <laughs> as the, we all do. The, yes, of course. <laughs> the <laughs> Women's World Cup team, they actually hired a period consultant so that they could help optimize their training around their cycles. So no. you can serious talks. I wrote about it in the book, chapter 12. Chapter 12. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Wait, I just had a, li- I had an epiphany here. So you're saying that your period doesn't disrupt your life, but that is also because you honor it and you let it, you know, guide the flow. You go with the flow. Literally. <laughs> Literally. And so it's like, it doesn't disrupt your life because, well, A, you eat the plants, you, you know, work on your stress, you do all the stuff that we talked about, acupuncture, all that. But when your body is naturally asking you to slow down, you listen and you don't force it to go do the CrossFit. And so, but if you tried to force it, that would be disrupting your life. You'd be like, oh, my stupid period's making me not do the snatch well enough or whatever, right? Is that what you're saying? You honor it. And so that's why it doesn't disrupt it because you're working as a team. Right. You're literally working with your flow. And wow. yeah, and working in alignment with your cycle and really using your period as a barometer for your life in general, because, yeah. you know, for instance, the, you know, two months ago or a month ago, I, you know, I had a crazy period where, you know, I got it super early. I started spotting and I got it super early and I knew it was the stress of the book launch and the pandemic and not mm. being at home because we've been traveling and all this stuff. And so I know when I have a problem period, I look back on the previous cycle and I see what's been going on and I know oh. what's up. So we can do that. It's amazing to be able to just look back and see what's been going on. Has there been a lot of travel? Have you been super stressed? Like launching a book? Has there been a pandemic? I mean, the amount of period crazy stories I've gotten from women in the last three months is unbelievable. And it makes sense. Yeah. The collective stress of this has shown up in our cycles. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I read and I saw a headline for an article the other day that's like, why the pandemic is affecting your period. Yeah. Or like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because I've heard you say or write that periods <laughs> aren't a nuisance. They're information. Yes. And it sounds like you're just using it to provide information and it reflects, you know, what's been going on in your life. Totally. This is really cool. Isn't it amazing? This is neat. Now, <laughs> how does one, this might be period 201, so we don't have to go here if it's too complex, but I've heard a lot about the period and the moon. Mm-hmm. Is this too complex to discuss or no. is there a short way to talk about syncing with the moon? Yes, definitely. This is this is an interesting topic. I was having a great conversation with my friend Jen Rassiopi, who oh, is, she was just on my I just interviewed her. That's where did? we were talking about it. That's and hilarious. I was like, I can't sync with the moon, my period, because I'm on birth control. And then later, I was like, I want to go off birth control, and it's just full circle. <laughs> I cannot get over <laughs> the synchronicity of this. Oh, this is so funny. Yes. Well, we were just talking about this because we were talking about this whole syncing with the moon thing, and. Mm. It's debatable. And here's why. Because the moon cycle is 29 and a half days long. An average menstrual cycle is 29 days. So we think, we kind of think that the moon is made for us a little bit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, right. is that that moon cycle never changes. However, our cycles do change. So there are going to be times when you ovulate with the full moon and you bleed with a new moon. There are going to be times when you bleed with a full moon and you ovulate with a new moon. And there are going to be times in between that. And so Jen and I have really come up with the belief that 
you're always synced to the moon because you can harness the moon's energy at any time in your life, regardless of where your menstrual cycle is in terms of the moon cycle. And I think that that's really important. And the reason I say that is because it just sort of creates this thing, another thing that women have to be good at or perfect at. Mm. And it's another stressor. I can't tell you how many times I've heard. I can't say, you just said it too. I can't speak with the moon. We're all, we're all human beings on this planet and we're all part of the natural environment. So naturally, as Jen would say, we are all synced with the moon to some degree or another. And I do think that the moon cycle is super helpful when you don't have a period. So Mm. if you're postpartum or you have something like hypothalamic amenorrhea, where you've lost your period to stress or under eating, it happens often mm-hmm. over exercising, or you know, you're in menopause, whatever the reason for not having a period, the moon cycle is amazing because it does match our cycle, generally speaking, really well. And there are four phases of the moon cycle too. So they work really well with the menstrual or bleeding phase, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, and the luteal phase. So you just use like the new moon the waxing, the full moon, and then the waning moon as the phases. And I wrote about this in that same chapter in my book. And I give you, yeah, 12. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. You check that. But yes, I think so. I think I said 12 before. So 12 is is moon and soccer. It is. Yes, exactly. And you know, you can really like we were saying before, you slow down in the luteal phase Uh during your menstrual cycle. You use the moon cycles in the same way. And I, I walk everyone through food, exercise, sex and intimacy, as well as, you know, like work and business and life in general. And, you know, what to do. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm so stoked. I'm so freaking stoked. I know everybody listening is so freaking stoked. (laughs) Oh, okay. So where should everybody go to, if they're stoked, to get more? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you can go to fixyourperiod.com and you can find booksellers on there. I also have some bonuses. I have a workbook and some handouts that go with the book as well. So you can just go back to that site and put your receipt number and email address. You'll get those. And Perfect. then um, my site, I have a blog that I've been, I mean, I've been writing for years about all of this stuff. It's nicolejardim.com. So you can find my blog there. And then of course I've got the period party podcast. <laughs> talk a lot about all of this stuff. And, um, and Instagram, of course. I love there. it. I love it. And what is your um, favorite plant? Oh, favorite <laughs> that plant. One in there. You know, right now it's collard greens. I don't know. Oh, I'm just what do you a, do with them? I'm so boring. I literally, I feel like so mortified that I'm saying this to someone who's written a recipe book. But no, no. I love to just saute them with garlic and a little bit of oil and like some tamari sauce. Why is that boring? That's I awesome. Feel like that's so boring. <laughs> oh, stop. Then you have okay, you were traveling so I couldn't send you my book. You'll have to get my book and you'll see how very simple my recipes are. So, do not worry. <laughs> well, I have. I mean, I've seen like what you, you know, I the previews of it and things like that and I'm just yeah. like, "Oh, it's so simple and easy." Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's how that's cuz that stress as we've talked about, I think is worse for you than anything. So, oh. It you is, know? right? I know. The yeah. stress of not knowing what to cook and when to cook it, it's exhausting. Yeah. And it negates the health benefits as totally. we just discussed. Ah, well, I don't want this to end, but thank you so much for the consultation. <laughs> you can um, 
send a bill to my office. And no, <laughs> <You're so welcome. laughs> this was awesome. I hope everybody feels really empowered. I know I do. I feel like I just got schooled and stoked. That's how I feel right this moment. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I am thrilled to share this information, as you know. And I just, again, I'm really glad that it was helpful for you. And I hope everyone who's listening gets something out of this too. I sure think they will. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. Now, did that chat knock your socks off? I mean, pads off, tampons out? (laughs) Sorry. As much as it did for me? Well, actually, you might have sensed it, but this conversation changed my life. Since recording it two flows ago, friends, I did it. I went off birth control. I pulled that Nuva ring out for good. And even though I was nervous, and by nervous, I mean in serious fear for two years that it was going to wreck me, our period girl could not have been more right. I feel amazeballs. I think my birth control served me well 10 years ago when my body was so out of whack, but Nicole was so right. In that 10 years since starting the Nuvering, I've, well, changed my lifestyle quite a bit. Me pre-birth control was also pre-plants and pre-every single daily momentary healthy habit and complete lifestyle upheaval to a joyous wellness-focused one. I truly feel like a brand new human. I was living on the verge of an emotional explosion every single moment, swinging from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows with the drop of a grain of quinoa. I now teeter between happy and peaceful. And when I do have a medium anxious moment, it's like patoony, patoony compared to what I was experiencing before. Even ask Jesse. I mean, definitely ask Jesse. He is like so grateful. I feel fantastic. I was also getting extreme and painful neck pimple breakouts right after switching my ring, like starting a new cycle. And now those assholes are bye, bye, bye. And that libido, let's just say that after three years of completely dormant, she's um resurfacing. <laughs> oh, and when I got my period last, it was as no big deal as like, I don't know, getting a pedicure, zero cramps or bloating or depression, all which 10 years ago would have left me bedridden in hysteria. This time, I barely knew it was happening, if not for the visual evidence. So wow, wow, wow. Endless thanks to Nicole for giving me the aha that this wonderful way I've treated my body these past 10 years could give me a totally different relationship to my period. Who knew? She knew, actually. (laughs) And I am just so thrilled to be able to provide another amazing testimonial for plants. Really, friend, eat them, party in them, and then apparently you can also party in your period. So if you want to get my book, the one that walks you through exactly how to party in your plants like I've done, and if you want to get more of Nicole, visit the show notes at partyinmyplants.com slash 192. That's partyinmyplants.com slash 192.